Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 21st day of June. I am Paul White. Thanks for tuning in today, letting us be a part of your day, whatever you're doing, working out, morning coffee, taking a walk in the beautiful sunshine, driving down the road, going to work, whatever you're doing, whether this is once a day for you or you pile them up and listen to two weeks worth at a time. I get reports from people who do both of those things. Uh, in either way, we are so happy that you have decided to be with us, and I, I honor that. I thank God for you, and I want to honor your time. We begin today in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I want to read two verses because it's these two verses together that constitute a singular argument by Paul. Let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed, and those who have believing masters... Let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. This is undeniably a passage of slavery because the word bondservants is translated the same way. It would sound like as many as are under, yoke as slaves. And there's no way around it. Paul does not exhort slaves to revolt. He does not exhort masters to let them go. Paul gives no indication that he is trying to have any sort of social upheaval in this passage. And that causes us some problems. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 were precisely the type of verses that were used in the American South for over a hundred years. Um, well, a hundred years nearly of the American South and over a hundred years of the British colonies of both North and South that justified slavery as an institution. Now, I understand slavery in the Americas was different than slavery in the Roman Empire, but tell that to a slave. That, that doesn't matter, is my point. Um, yes, there was a lot of volunteer slavery in the Roman Empire. There was a lot of debtors slavery in the Roman Empire. And there was a lot of adopted slavery in the Roman Empire, where you took people in as slaves, but you were forced to treat them as you would family. We don't see that in our sort of Western idea of slavery. But again, tell it to the slave that there's a superior form of slavery. So that's a moot point as far as I'm concerned. So what do we do with this? Well, you could do what has had been done at, in those hundreds of years where people read these passages and said, see, slavery is justified because it happened in the New Testament. That's just the way it is. If Paul had wanted it any other way, he would have said it. But I don't think that's a fair argument to growth because growth takes us down a journey in which we see that we as a people allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to grow us, and to prompt us to wrestle out big topics. The New Testament does not end with a clear path to the end of slavery. The New Testament does not end with a clear path to women's rights. And yet, that does not mean that the New Testament has nothing to say about it. It just means that the New Testament has a lot of things to say. They are not always complementary, though they're not meant to look at to be looked at as if they're working against one another. They're just different snapshots along the journey, 
and different understandings. And I think even within the same author, you get multiple ideas. For instance, and I've quoted this for you many times, in Galatians 2, Paul says what I call the song of the new covenant, which is, as many as are in Christ, there are there's neither Jews nor Gentiles nor male nor female nor bond nor free. And so that's Paul's great contribution to the new covenant as far as I'm concerned is to say, hey, in Christ, total equality for all. Gender doesn't matter. Economic status doesn't matter. Religious preference doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. In Christ, it's all the same. And yet, Paul doesn't always sing that song. He has these moments where he seems pretty bound to his culture. And you can try to preach this and teach this as some high and heady way to go about your business, like don't complain on your job. Um, Don't, you know, if you do or you don't do your job well, then you make God, you, you blaspheme God. Um, if you have a believing slave master, that's better than a non-believer. Don't despise that believing master, um, because they're, they're benefited by you being a good slave, teach and exhort these things. It's not easy to read this and walk away and go, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what we ought to do because we're looking at it through a a different lens and a different culture and a different prism. I'm not going to defend Paul defending slavery. I'm not a fool. You, to me, if you declare that there's no bond nor free man nor female, Jew nor Gentile in Christ, you don't turn around and argue for slavery. So I don't defend Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. I don't defend the text. I'm not, again, this is when it comes to bear. I'm not an apostle of Paul. I'm not a disciple of Paul. I'm not a convert of Paul. I'm not a disciple of 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm a disciple of Christ. And I don't see Christ holding slaves. And I don't see Christ upholding the institution of it. And, and I can't imagine Christ going, ah, you know, if you're in slavery, at least if your master's a believer, well, then that's good. Um, I don't see that. And so I'm going to sit here and tell you, I don't have a good answer for you as to why Paul would do this other than this is something that Paul goes to his grave without having wrestled out, without having resolved. And if you think that's the only thing the New Testament hasn't wrestled out and resolved, you're not paying attention. (laughs) It happens over and over again. If I've ever seen this, clearly it's in our series we're doing here in North Georgia on Tuesday nights with our group here in Flowery Branch on the church. And we're walking through the book of Acts looking at the church. And the one that we put up a week ago, not this one, but last week, was the church transformation continues. And as the transformation continues, you, we, we did a breakdown on the screen of the things the church had by the end of Acts 2 and the things that they lacked. And you can brag about what they had and go, that's the church we ought to be. But when you start to pay attention to what they lacked, you realize that some of it they don't get till later in Acts. Some of it they don't get for a few hundred years. Some of it they don't get for a couple thousand years. And that's we're that church. And... It lets me know that this is a pro- we're in progress, walking through this through progress. That always causes the detractor to say, do we get to pick and choose? I'll say yes and no. And let me justify that if I can. No, we don't get to pick and choose as in, I like a verse, I don't like a verse. But yes, we get to pick and choose in that if it doesn't line up with what we see in Jesus, we don't consider it a part of our journey. It's still there and we ought to talk about it and we ought to figure out why it's there and what we can do with it. But we don't make it a part of our journey if it doesn't look like Jesus because we follow 
Jesus, and the Spirit speaks of Jesus. Deeper in chapter 6 tomorrow. See you then. God bless.